following sermon is from Dr. Dan Kitnoya, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Tilton, Illinois. If you've never reached out to Calvary before, we'd like to hear from you. Visit our website, calvarytilton.com. That's calvarytilton.com. And now, here's Dr. Dan. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Kids, uh, I know normally you go off to children's church, but you're, well, you're kind of stuck with me. But I promise I will do my best to make it easy to understand and hopefully uh, enjoyable to listen to. But I'm going to ask you to do your very best to listen as I talk this morning. Well, this would be, I think, my 46th Christmas this year, and uh, I don't remember all of them. Some of them I was too young to remember, but I can remember some of the presents that I got over the years, things that I asked for, and I bet right now if I asked the kids, they could tell me exactly what they want, and some would say an Xbox or a Switch or a, I don't know if they still make Playstations or not. Uh, some of you are like, no, I'd like an iPhone, uh, you know, that wasn't even on my radar at your age, but over the years, I can remember some of the presents that I got for Christmas. I can remember one year in, in Cleveland, it was a little bit warmer than this, surprisingly, at Christmas, and Mom and Dad got me a scooter, so I went using my scooter up and down the, the road. And one year, Grandpa got me this, uh, your parents will like this, it was a Night Rider car, and you push the button and it would talk. So I remember that. And Christmas had lots of great memories. On Christmas Eve, we go to my, well, I called them my aunts. They were technically my dad's aunts. They were my great aunts. And they had some unique names, Aunt Hulda, Aunt Lempy, and Aunt Kitty. They were from the old country. They were from Finland, and so they had, uh, didn't have the common American names, but we always had a great time. And then Christmas Day, we always went to my, my grandparents' house, and one year we had a blizzard, which was awesome. Well, it was awesome for me because I wasn't driving, and as it would turn out, uh, my parents had, their tires were bald, so Grandpa actually drove all the way from Parmer to pick us up and, and, and take us to, to their house for Christmas, and Always the best food, and it was kind of like a second. We got spoiled at Grandpa's house, I'll just say it that way. And one year we had a lot of snow, so we went sled riding on Christmas Day. So a lot of great memories. And I enjoy giving and receiving presents as much as anybody. But the truth is, if, if we only focus on the fun stuff, the hustle and bustle, we might actually miss out on the most important part of Christmas. The most important about Christmas is that Jesus Christ, the Savior, was born. And that's a big deal. God Himself took on flesh and dwelt among us. That's, that's not a small thing. It's never been duplicated before or since that God Himself dwelled among us. And He came that we might have eternal life. So we're going to pick up the story today in Matthew chapter 2. I want to ask you to think about as we work through this passage, how are the people in the passage responding? How are they responding to the birth of Jesus? Because when we look at how they respond to Jesus, we can perhaps gain some wisdom as to how we should respond to Jesus. Now, as the story unfolds, kind of give you some lay of the land, the, if you remember when Jesus was born, the angels show up and they say, Glory to God in the highest! peace on, on, on earth and goodwill towards men. And they announce this to the shepherds and the shepherds go into Bethlehem and they see the Christ child. Well, now where we pick it up, 
It's about two years later. The baby Jesus is probably uh, using some words now, and uh, he's probably able to walk. He might have to use like a coffee table to stabilize himself. His dad was a carpenter, so maybe he had a table he got to hold himself up on. But that's kind of how it's going. But now Mary, Jesus, and Joseph are, have gone back to normal. Well, actually, it's the new normal for them because they've got a mobile toddler, and they did not go back to their hometown. They stayed in Bethlehem, perhaps with, uh, in the home of a family member, or maybe they rented a home. Uh, but life's gone back to normal. But now some unexpected guests are about to show up that we know from, uh, from our manger scenes as the wise men. But before they show up at Jesus' house, they stop in Jerusalem and say, they start asking a bunch of questions. And it causes a little bit of chaos because people were not expecting such an unexpected arrival as these wise men. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read Matthew 2, verse 1 through 15. I will serve as your narrator. And then we're going to kind of look at some of the applications this Christmas. The wise men arrived and chaos resulted. Now after Jesus was born... In Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. In some way that's sort of lost to us, God had revealed something to these three wise men about a birth of a king in Israel through the stars. We don't exactly understand all of it, But that's what's happened. They have now taken a long journey, arrived in Jerusalem. It appears that the star that they were following might have disappeared for a moment, so they stopped in Jerusalem to ask for directions. That's basically how it looks. The star appears to have disappeared, and they're asking questions. Verse 3, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now here's the question. Why would he be troubled about the birth of a, of a, a newborn king? Why would he be upset about this? He is the king. After all, this baby's no threat to him. And why would he be troubled well, about the birth out, of, a, here's of kind a, of the a newborn king. king? King Herod was. I don't know if you've ever seen any of the Star Wars TV shows and movies. They've made cartoons and books and all this and video games. But there's a character named Emperor Palpatine. In, in the movies, he looks like a nice guy, but he's actually a sneaky, conniving, bloodthirsty, power-hungry guy who got into power by being sneaky. Well, that's kind of how King Herod is. Here's a little secret. He was so power-hungry and sneaky and conniving and all this that he actually... Merry Christmas, but he actually killed three of his own sons. Not a good guy. So he is in position of power by being sneaky, but now this report is, there is someone who has been born the king of the Jews. That means that he had God-given authority to be king, He doesn't have to sneak into the throne. So King Herod is troubled by this. And then verse 3 continues, and all Jerusalem with him. Verse 4, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes, these are the guys who know the Old Testament really well, the Bible guys, guys like me. And he assembles the scribes and and the chief priests of the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. That word Christ means God's chosen king, his anointed king. So he's asking questions. Verse 5, And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets, and then he quotes an old prophecy, 
Verse 6, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So they asked the, the, he asked the scribes and the priests about this, where's the, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? Where's the Christ? And they, meet, they, they have an answer for him. It's in Bethlehem, the city of David. And then he quotes this prophecy. What is it talking about? Well, he says, Bethlehem, you're, you're kind of an insignificant town. You're like Danville compared to Chicago. Yet from you is going to come a great king. That was the prophecy. 753, 730, 750 years before it happens, Micah spoke, and now it has come to pass. Verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, that's an important word, and ascertained, that is, he learned from them, what time the star had appeared. And we see later that it had been about two years from the time that the star appeared to their arrival here in Jerusalem. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, which is about five miles away, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. He's being Emperor Palpatine again. He wants them to... Sneaky. Go, don't cause any commotion. Just go find him, worship him, and then come back and tell me so that I can go worship too. He wanted to destroy baby Jesus and neutralize the threat. Let's pick it up. Verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came over the, to rest over the place where the child was. So it appears that perhaps it disappeared and then reappeared. And in so doing, led them right to his neighborhood, even to his house. Verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the star, the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts and frankincense and myrrh, or gold, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now kids, you probably aren't really excited about the idea of getting gold, and, and unless you've been watching the economy, then you might be excited. Gold and frankincense and myrrh, like this is how you are, these are gifts that you give to a king. Gold. Perhaps frankincense, some have suggested that it's actually the type of gift you would give to God Himself. But these are important gifts, expensive gifts, and they bring them to Jesus at Christmas. Verse, verse 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they, they departed to their own country by another way. So the God who led them to this child through a star is now leading them through a dream, guiding them through a dream. Don't go back to Herod. He's an evil guy. Go back another way. Verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. That's Hosea 11.1. 1. And so we see here, uh, God is doing all of these things. He's, he's brought forth the king. Prophecy is being fulfilled. There's, somebody counted it. 
There's like 300 prophecies, predictions about who Jesus was going to be, where He was going to be born, even down to what His mom was going to be like, a virgin, and even to what neighborhood He was going to be born. And then even, although I imagine the people studying the Old Testament, I don't know if you ever read the Bible, sometimes it's a little hard to understand. They probably would scratch their heads over a lot of this. What do you mean that you're going to call my servant out of Egypt? Well, they didn't know the other detail that an angel was going to show up and say, you tell Mary, Jesus, and Joseph to, to get out of here because they're going to, Herod's going to kill you. They didn't know that part was coming. And then when Jesus, Mary, and Joseph return, the prophecy is fulfilled. Now, looking at this story, some of you, these are details you've heard many times before, but I want to talk really quick this Christmas and just think about how did the people in the story respond to the birth of baby Jesus? Number one, the birth of Jesus troubled Herod. He was the Jewish version of Emperor Palpatine. Jesus troubled him. Why? Because he knew that the birth of Jesus was an act of God, yet he opposed God's will anyway. He viewed Jesus as a threat to his power. He liked being in charge. He liked being the king. And he was not interested in submitting to Jesus. And so he took desperate and drastic measures to get rid of Jesus after he was born. He tried to trick the wise men into giving up the location of the baby Jesus so that he could kill him. Now, when he knew that he had been tricked, he flew into a rage and made a reckless attempt to destroy the baby Jesus. He failed and hurt a lot of people in the process. As the passage continues, we're not going to read it, but when he realizes that the wise men didn't come back like they said they would, he loses it. He sends in soldiers into Bethlehem and kills all the boys two years old and under to make sure that he could neutralize the threat. He didn't know which son it was. He didn't know which parents it was. He just knew that the boy was two years old or under. So to make sure, since he could not locate the baby specifically, he killed them all. That's why the angel showed up and told Joseph and Mary to leave because he had intended evil against Jesus. Herod viewed Jesus as a threat to his authority. It troubled him that Jesus is Lord. My question to you this Christmas is, does Jesus' authority trouble you? Does the fact that he is Lord, that's not just a title, that means he's, he gets to call the shots. Does that bother you? Jesus is a wonderful, we like to think of him as this wonderful teacher and this loving guy and, and, all, and he's those things for sure, but he's also the Lord. And with that, he gets to tell us some things like these behaviors are right, these behaviors are wrong. These attitudes are right, these attitudes are wrong. And he calls us to repent. Then we see the response of the scribes and the chief priests. Those were kind of the guys like me. I spent a lot of time reading the Bible. I studied the Bible, study books about the Bible. And, and what was interesting to me is that these guys knew what the Bible said about Jesus. This is why they were able to answer and tell them what the prophecy said. Yet they didn't seem to care. I don't know, maybe they had important dinner plans, but they didn't go with the wise men. That would have, I don't know about you, but that would have gotten my attention. Three wise men show up from the east. Apparently God has revealed something to them about the Messiah in a star that 
important enough that they left their homeland and have come here. These were, the wise men weren't Bible reading guys. God was up to something. But they had matzo ball soup at home and so they wanted to go home or whatever it was they were going to do, but they did not go to Bethlehem. To me, that is very interesting. It seems that though they knew some things about the Messiah, knew could point people towards Jesus in a way, it didn't seem to matter to them all that much. You know, a lot of people know about who Jesus is. Like the scribes and scribes and chief priests don't seem to care a lot. But knowing Jesus, for some, doesn't really seem to matter. So how about you? Do you know Jesus? Does knowing Him matter? And I don't just mean on Sunday. Like, Sunday's important. I'm so glad you're here this morning with us. But on Thursday, when you've got decisions to make, responding to people, emails to write, texts to send, however it is, how your Thursday looks, does knowing Jesus affect the way you act on Thursday? For the chief priests, knowing about Jesus and knowing, knowing what the Old Testament was said about the birth of the Christ didn't seem to matter to them. Does it matter to you? But now let's remember the wise men. The wise men sought hard to find Jesus. This was not a small thing. They traveled uh, probably for weeks, if not months, to get to where Jesus was. And when they found Him, they bowed and worshipped Him. They gave Him precious gifts. In bowing, they submitted to Him. In giving worship to Him, they were acknowledging that He is worthy to be praised. And when you study the Bible, one thing that's very interesting, from time to time, humans try to worship other humans, and if they, they're godly humans, they say, don't do that. It is inappropriate to worship humans. But worshiping Jesus is quite appropriate. Submitting to Jesus is appropriate. So my question to you this Christmas is, do you submit to Jesus as your King? Is Jesus your Lord? What is your response to the birth of Jesus? Do you know the truth about Him? Do you live like you know? Or do you view Jesus as a threat to your freedom? Or perhaps like some, do you gladly receive Jesus as Lord? Like many Christmases before, you and I will give and receive gifts. But this year, will you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior? You can. Unto us a child is, is born. Unto us a son is given. His name is Wonderful, Counselor, Emmanuel. That means God with us. They named Him Jesus, which means God is salvation because He came to save us from our sins. And that's good news. But why is it good news? Here's the backdrop. When you study out God's Word, and you don't have to study very long to realize that when God created everything, he had a certain purpose for how it was supposed to work. He had a purpose for how we were supposed to relate to people that we had well, kids, I would say, crushes on. How we're supposed to relate to uh, the people we are married to. How we're supposed to relate to our neighbors, our parents, our teachers, police officers. 
God cares about every area of our life. And when humans live the way God designed life to, be, to, to work, He tends to bless that. But all of us, since Adam and Eve, have gone astray. We've actually pursued life our way instead of God's. Now the Bible has a word for that. It's called sin. And sin is, well, it's a lot of things. Things like stealing, lying, disobedience to parents, and not honoring God as God, to name a few. But there's more. And what we find is that when we live life our way instead of God's, it usually leads to brokenness. It leads to broken hearts, broken homes, broken friendships, and even broken minds. And our attempts to fix the brokenness usually leads to more brokenness because God God looks at us and He knows something we don't. He knows that we don't have it in us to fix ourselves. We can't redeem ourselves. We can't save ourselves. And so God actually uses the pain kind of like a megaphone. He whispers to us through pleasure, but shouts to us through pain. And if you're suffering or you're, you, you see hardship in the world and you have hardship in your life, there's a good chance it's because of sin. And God is using that to get your attention because He has the solution. See, Jesus wasn't just born to start a holiday. He was born to offer salvation. When Jesus was born, there was a miracle. And 30 years, 30 years, 33 years of life, he, he lived sinlessly. He never broke any of God's rules. And then He was arrested. He was put on trial. He was found... Well, they didn't really find Him guilty necessarily. They accused Him of saying He was God, but believing He was not God. The problem was, He was in fact God. So they crucified Him. And while He was dying naked, alone, separated from His friends, being mocked by His enemies, God was doing another miracle. He was putting all the sins of the world on Jesus. And as He was dying, His death paid for our sin. And then the third day, He did another miracle, which we usually celebrate on Easter Sunday. On the third day, God raised Him from the dead. Now many of you have heard that story many times in some various fashion or another. We call that the Gospel. And for some, you believe it, but God doesn't just want us to believe this truth. He wants us to respond to it. See, God God calls us. He invites us to turn from the pursuit of sin, which brings brokenness and judgment, and turn to Jesus in faith. And so this, along with that comes more blessings and more gifts. See, when we live life our way, it brings brokenness. And when we come to Jesus for salvation, we call that a lot of things, but includes an idea called redemption. And that is God enabling us through the power of the Holy Spirit to reclaim His original purpose for our lives. And this, this Christmas, if you would like to turn from sin Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and receive the gift of salvation. I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. In a moment, I'm going to have everyone bow their heads and close their eyes. I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. There's not magic in the prayer. It's just a simple way that we have come to know that we can call on Jesus for salvation.
And if you would like to call on Jesus for salvation, you can take the words that I pray, repeat them to God from your heart. You can say it silently. You can say it out loud. But ultimately, the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if you'd like to do that, we'll go to the Lord in prayer now. And I invite you to, to pray to Jesus for salvation. If everyone bow their heads and close their eyes. Let's pray. Dear God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I've broken your rules, your laws, probably in ways I don't even realize, probably at times I don't even remember. But in this quiet moment, I turn from the pursuit of sin to Jesus in faith, trusting Him for salvation, the forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. Thank You, Lord, for hearing my prayer. Thank You, Lord, for saving me. Thank You for forgiving me. And Lord, I pray that You'd help me to follow Jesus so that I would understand and live out redemption. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you pray to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to ask you to come and find me after the service is over, or even now if you want to. I'll be standing out there, but I'm also going to be down here to pray. And at that prayer time is for anybody. If you want to pray of anything specific, I'll be here. If you want to talk about salvation, I'll be here. But also, after the service is over, I'll be out in the lobby. I want to talk to you about what's next. For most of you, baptism will be what's next. And in a moment, Allison is going to come up and play one more Christmas song, I think. And, uh, is it just Alex or is there more coming? All right. Everyone, uh, stand for our song of response. And if you need to pray or talk, I'll be down here at the front. You've been listening to Dr. Dan Kitnoya, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Tilton, Illinois. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website, calvarytilton.com. That's calvarytilton.com. Thank you for listening.